0: Coming through it, you know, I what I found was I couldn't think about him. I couldn't talk about him. I couldn't stand other people talking about him. Okay. People trying to talk to me about him. Oh, fuck off. Okay. Oh, couldn't actually hack it.
1: My guest on this week's episode is the author Sophie White, whose first novel Filter This is out this week. Someone recently asked Sophie and I if we ever run out of things to talk about. The answer is no. When we first recorded our interview for this podcast, we spoke for almost three hours. So we kept this second half to release now to coincide with her book launch. In this episode, we talk about her father, Kev, who passed away in 2017 after suffering from Alzheimer's. Sophie talks about what it was like to lose one of the people you love most over a long stretch of time, to watch them gradually disappear, even though they're still there in front of you to grieve someone who is still alive. When you lose someone slowly in this way, where they're gone but also still here, sometimes it is easier to make yourself forget who they originally were because it's too painful to remember. Sophie talks about how she eventually reconnected with her memories of her dad through meditation. Filter this, Sophie White's first novel is in bookstores now. Hi, I'm Léodhan Hines and this is How to Fall Apart, a podcast about picking up pieces. When you moved home to Ireland Because mm-hmm. that was kind 2012, of 2012 Yeah Okay So wh- where was he How was he then He was still living at home
0: um, He was still living at home With my mum He had to take early He'd retirement He had to take an early retirement A good few years before that yeah. He had to kind of um, Sort of like Nanny for the Yeah Older person Yeah um, no, he, he wasn't very old yet
1: Yeah He wasn't 60 yet was he
0: I think he had turned 60 I met, we did an incredible sixtieth birthday party. Did you? Yeah. Now I'm like, were we throwing a funeral? When, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of mad our, in our house. Okay. I made about four birthday cakes. Um, this is your way. Well, I catered it, so okay. yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It must have been um, after, just after this, after we moved home. We think, yeah. Okay. because um, I was working in BB's cafe, which is not far from here, um, yeah. as their chef, and yeah. I did a lot of cooking in their kitchen. And uh, anyway, yeah, so. And he, what was he like at the
1: party? Was he...
0: At that party, like, smiley and, like, interacting somewhat. It's so hard now to kind of weed it all out and remember it all. But um, Is
1: it true when somebody has Alzheimer's that some part of their brain kind of protects them from the knowledge of what's happening to them? So I don't they, know. Did he ever kind of um seem to show a knowledge of what was happening, like a fear or...
0: Yeah, he definitely, he cried one afternoon with me. And I feel terrible thinking back on it. You know, the way everyone's got like, generally we talk about highlight reels a lot because yeah. of Instagram and stuff like, so I have a low light reel um, and <laughs> we all do. Yeah. But like on the low lights reel in my head that I have, I always go back to this afternoon when he cried and like, I find it really hard to cope with him crying. Of course. And I just don't think I was very good about it. Like, yeah. And I think that, yeah, he had definitely um, flashes of consciousness Mm. about, I mean, I actually think that he may have just been like the most stoic person in the world because he didn't let his fear um, and sadness like out that much. So it felt like it touched us that much. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know though. Mm. And answer to your question, if there mm. is a layer of protection, mm. except that I do kind of picture it as being very chaotic in the mind of mm. a person like that, mm. it, that, you know, it's hard for them to hold on to the present moment. Yeah. Um, with my dad, he started to kind of tip into psychosis um, just after Aru was born. Mm. Um, like, but it took us quite a while to realize that's what was happening Yeah, because his behavior was... So strange as it was, like, and had been so strange for so many years. And okay. trying to remember if at that point he kind of knew my name. Yeah. I kind of think my name started to go at that point. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, I like, I write about him in the book, but basically he, like, in his st- state of um, psychosis, uh, attacked my mom when she was minding my baby one night. Mm. And... Like he was very fit, 60, about 61, I think he mm-hmm. was, and tall and very fit and like essentially kind of young man. He was certainly a very young 60 physically. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, I she got away, thank God, and she put a door between her and him. Like, she got out the front door of our house. Okay. And you know, they had to, she found a neighbor, she got help, and a friend came over and. He's the date of my dad, and you know, it's just a really strange night. And um, you know, that was, yeah, that was all in the same year that Rue was, that was Rue's first year. Mm. And yeah, I guess now, like, I think none of us really give, cut us, cut ourselves any bit of slack. Like, yeah. especially postnatal depression, I just, I'm, I blame myself wholly for it. But I do know, I can see on a kind of a detached level that it must have been hard to have my dad like that looking after my first baby and yeah i guess it was going to come out
1: still say you blame yourself
0: yeah i think so i think a lot i think people i think women know that feeling yeah do you know what i mean
1: yeah i mean i get it at the time but i i'm i I suppose i just hate hearing you say that you you know It's, it's of course it wasn't your
0: fault it's the one thing as well like when i talk about virtually any of this stuff i can totally keep it together mm. but when i talk about the postnatal depression it really gets to me like i can even talk about my dad more easily i think um but i still like there's so much guilt around postnatal depression and i i'm not sure how to how it goes you know yeah um so it's funny when like it definitely still gets to me yeah
1: uh i think that's really understandable so because it's around your children it's around your children and exactly yeah yeah Be i find that around sarah with stuff with the Having separated Yeah I can yeah. Be really rational
0: And for sure When we talk about that yeah. I'm always like Oh my god Like yeah. You've done everything yeah. Right And when it's, when You it's coped child, it's Like so incredibly And so Yes But other people's guilt Rarely makes much sense Yeah To their others Do you yeah. know what I mean Like I suffered a lot of guilt After my dad died And I remember yeah. Ringing everyone I knew Who'd lost a parent To ask them about this guilt thing
1: and did they all, um, did they all identify with it?
0: Yeah, like my friend Louise yeah. lost her bio mom and she uh-huh. was very helpful Yeah, in that she also described her guilt to me. And I was like, no, no, your guilt makes no sense. Yeah. You need to let go of that guilt. And she was like, Soph, listen to yourself. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. no, I remember you ringing me the day after and you said, I can see it coming. It's like a wave.
0: Yeah. This guilt wave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like a tsunami. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where my dad was at when Rue was born, okay. and like, if from when he attacked my mom, he we had to, we actually had to have him committed to a psychiatric ward in Vincent's because he was, he was too, too young, young yeah. for the dementia ward, yeah. which you know is just a bit of fuckery, really. And um, it was, uh, yeah, it was a very difficult time. You know, I used to go up there and see him. He was there for about three months before we got him a place in a kind of a more appropriate home Mm -hmm. and then he stayed in that home for the next four years Mm -hmm. four years three years three years Mm. and then he died um there and um so that's just nearly two years it's two years next week actually that um he died there Mm. and we were with him when he died
1: for a a, a while that he was dying or
0: no like it really passed me by
1: (laughs) No, but like, I yeah. I can't even yeah.
0: describe it. But he was so ill. Like, he was so ill for so long, it, yeah. and I had been looking at this for so long yeah. that it was like almost imperceptible. Mm. Like a few things changed. That then I was like, huh. Like I always think of it now. It's quite interesting. Our food changes as we're getting close to death. Mm. Like in reverse of baby food. Like, yes. yeah. do you know, when you're weaning your babies onto solids yeah, and yeah. then, yeah. you know, then like the solids aren't pureed. And then, mm. yeah. So th- basically, we're all heading back to that, guys. <laughs> like, I remember being in the kitchen of his hospice and mm. um, and it must have been the night uh, before he died. So we kind of spent 24 hours in his room with him, kind of. Mm. And they don't, in a hospice, to my experience, they don't exactly say it's happening mm. but they sort of say a lot of like he's close and I'd stick close they say stuff like that and yeah. I wonder is it some kind of you know they I guess they just can't say exactly but also I think they have really good instinct yes um, and yeah. people who work in hospices about they know when the body's going and they know about all the kind of I suppose like the nuts and bolts that we don't want to know mm. like I always remember this industrial air freshener appeared in his room mm. and i me and the air freshener were like i mean we were like enemies mm. i was like shade at this fucking industrial air mm. freshener what are you here for why are you here mm. what is all this and it's very hard to like sort it through and anyway i remember anyway, i was in the kitchen and i saw a chart on the wall that was like the kind of degrees of sort of like masticated food that is served to the dying yeah and you know like the first picture looks like a kind of terrible airline meal (laughs) sorry no shade to the hospice i know that you guys are (laughs) working with feeding people on a mass scale and you're doing the best you can with what you have (laughs) as resources but like yeah so it looked like it was like Mm. the ice cream scoops of mash yes and the ice cream scoops of carrots and then like you know, the next one is kind of just that the previous picture kind of mangled up a bit more the next one. It's pureed smooth then like, you know, the last stop isn't represented in the chart, but it's the tube because people don't accept food then. Mm. And then they're uh, fed by tube at the end, mm. which was my dad. Mm. And uh, yeah, so like <sighs> food, culinary wise, the end is bleak like <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to go was out there Kevin on that. the
1: person who got you into cooking? Was uh, he
0: into yeah, cooking? he would have been the kind of main cook in our would house, he? I think. Yeah, my mum would have done all the desserts, but like mm. my dad was big into his cooking and like, yeah, he wasn't like a brilliant cook exactly, mm. but he definitely... Was the one doing it Like and there's definitely Things I cook now That like are just so Like Completely my dad Like when I make fried rice I just think of my dad Really? Yeah like he Used to like Be methodical With his fried rice Like when I do fried rice I just scramble the egg In the pan With all the stuff But my dad used to make This like Perfect Egg pancake Like Separately Mm -hmm. And like flip it in the pan Then take it out And then like (laughs) Slice it into these Like like r- ridiculously unnecessarily perfect shreds <laughs> um, And stuff like that And oh yeah like He ha- told me like he had made up egg mixture Egg mayonnaise He told me that that was his invention re- Invention Yeah It's hilarious yeah. It, yeah He told me a lot of really random pointless lies For his own kind of amusement he, Yeah I was just going <laughs> to say yeah.
1: Did you slightly compress who he was Before he got sick In especially in his in the last years of his illness
0: Like Did I kind of d- Divorce Yeah the, the person I was looking at From yeah, that person Who had been your, my dad Yeah not
1: allow yourself To kind oh. of remember him
0: Yeah but I definitely Not in a very conscious way yeah, But I definitely no, no, Couldn't see him anymore mm. Like
1: But I think you talked once About how you kind of Almost didn't think about That person
0: No yeah I, I didn't I totally couldn't Like yeah. I think it would have been A lot to process if I think yeah. Like basically the the biggest thing I really learned about watching someone be ill, that ill for so long, yeah. was like that, A, we need euthanasia. Yeah. Um, we need to be able to make decisions about our own health right up to the end, mm-hmm. even when we are beyond it. Yeah. And like, I, I just know for a fact, there isn't a person alive who could look at somebody for three years in a bed
1: yeah.
0: eating pre-masticated bullshit mm. and go, oh, I want that for myself. Yeah, you know, and um, so that's what I one thing I learned, and the other thing I learned is that the kind of true titanium grip of denial, denial, yeah, like denial, (laughs) denial, denial. I cannot (laughs) say it now for some reason. You are
1: not deep in denial. So so in in denial,
0: I am not (laughs) even even acknowledging the word, right? But it's do you know? I think because we say now so and so is in denial, Mm. um, and it's quite a kind of you know. Phrase we throw around, mm-hmm. uh, so we've kind of devalued it a bit. Mm. Um, but being denial is something else entirely. Like you have absolutely no concept yeah. of it. Yeah, you're like you're existing in this uh, weather system mm. of denial. Like, mm-hmm. and it's you can't see past whatever. No, it, I
1: mean, I think people can build their whole, whole world absolutely on a base, like the basis of it is they're in denial about one thing yeah and everything else is informed by that oh yeah
0: completely which like, makes it
1: incredibly
0: hard everything to, um, else is dependent on the, de- yeah, on the denial exactly it's not even that it's informed by it it needs the denial to be to exist
1: yeah and, but it also supports the denial so for yes. them to um acknowledge the denial would then be bringing their whole world down around them
0: absolutely Like, and I used to quite confidently pronounce my mother to be in denial. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe when you're in denial, you're really good at spotting it in others. (laughs) Takes one to know one, I guess. But like, I used to always be like, she's in denial. Like, she hasn't. And you see, I think the extension of our kind of denial of his illness, Mm. you know, was that we were not prepared when things went really bad. Like, we had not put his name... Down on a list for a, a good home. Okay. You know, we had made no provision for mm. what was coming. Yeah, you, I had never Googled Alzheimer's. Yeah. And you described like,
1: that in when the When you think
0: about like what we all know about our imaginary illnesses yes from extensive Googling of those. Yeah. And then you know you're presented with a real problem and if you don't Google it, that's denial, friends. Yeah. I mean lots of people Are like don't Google Because no, you, you don't want To just have, have the worst Case scenario in your head But
1: I mean you explain how um, The fact that You would have known Early onset Often turns into aggression And you might have been More yes, prepared Yes totally for that, I so. might have been
0: like Maybe we shouldn't leave My mom alone With a five month old baby And my dad Yeah That you know As much as we love him he is not himself anymore. And yeah. Yeah. Totally would have been loads of stuff. Yeah, um, But you're
1: taking on so much. It's hard to force yourself to take on more. Do you know. If you can I pretend. If you can I mean I'm
0: certainly not like pro. Don't beat yourself up for being in denial. But like also I kind of think more so I just step back from that and go. Wow. It's, it's like,
1: understandable though when you're in it. I
0: mean it's obviously also a, a coping mechanism that like kicks in. Yeah. Uh, to. Like it's amazing the shit I cared about all those years that my dad was just suspended in this Mm. like really cruel limbo. Mm. And like I was definitely like doing outfits of the day on Instagram and, Mm. you know, (laughs) planning stunning meals I'd cook for myself. (laughs) And I think obviously denial lets you do all that stuff and it lets you. Yeah. You know, like have your babies and Mm. have another baby and Mm keep going Mm -hmm. and like it's funny when i think of that period of my life now which kind of ended up spanning about four years it was like i can see myself rushing everywhere and my dad never moves you know yeah and it's quite it's quite momentous to take it in now to think he i mean he moved around a bit like when we first brought him to the home but Mm -hmm. certainly for the last about eight months he was pretty much completely confined to a bed and yeah i just think of what that really meant in in terms of seconds minutes and hours mm. and oh it's really tough like i went there a good few times a week mm. but it's never enough mm. but also i was there and i was counting the minutes till i could leave yeah and yeah and like oh, it doesn't any none of it feels like quality time of course you know mm. It's just time. It's just willing it to pass, yeah. so that yeah. this will all change one day. And I, even now, I still wake up some Saturday mornings and I'm like, "Wow, I don't have to go see my dad today." Mm. You know.
1: Do you feel angry about what happened to him? And have you? Mm, I feel
0: angry about. I feel angry at myself for how I dealt with it, and sometimes I can get angry at my parents because I feel they should have dealt with it differently <laughs> but i mean that is obviously irrational mm. um i i feel more angry at myself okay because i don't feel like i am spiritual but i don't really believe in a kind of like mm. you know there's nothing omniscient up there doling out fucking shitmares to everyone you know it's mm. everything everyone has this stuff mm. and what i'm more angry about is that i wasn't better at coping with it and I wasn't better I just didn't deal with it better Mm. like yeah I've just seen people as a family cope with illness quite well like different people where you know they don't allow the illness to become this infectious kind of noxious gas that's making everyone ill Mm. by not speaking about it and not engaging with it
1: Do you think that's a a level of acceptance there that you're seeing?
0: I mean, maybe it is. I think also as well, because we had such a... I think my mother and I had a real unspoken pact about not talking about my dad and who he was. Yeah. And I get it. We couldn't. We just couldn't. Yeah. But at the same time, I think after he died and after I started to talk about him a bit more and my mum started to talk about him a bit more, it loosened something inside. Like, I think it was you described it to me as, like, when you're so... You know, when you don't talk, it calcifies. Yeah, and um, so I find that was like the biggest. Yeah, thing I really noticed about that you when you started that. talking about him. Yeah, and, like,
1: telling, saying things that he'd done mm. when you were a kid, because he was mm. a really charming. Kind oh, of he was so fun, l- and yeah.
0: he was an ex like a very uh, eccentric mm, and charismatic. Oh yeah, totally yeah. kind of person, and like I think as well like. I couldn't I suppose I got so used to never speaking about him like I never spoke to friends or people I never mentioned a dad yeah actually I referred to my mom all the time and I never mentioned a dad because it would lead to where is he or what happened or Mm. and it was so complicated like he was but he wasn't like even I remember when somebody talking about him he was still alive but he was gone from us and a friend talking about him and using the past tense and then fumbling and trying to Mm. fix it and say I mean is is and I thought no he's completely past tense Mm. you're right and Mm. that's quite harsh that Mm. sounds harsh to somebody who's not been through this maybe and Mm. maybe it sounds harsh to people who are in it for sure and are coping better than I did but to me I was like past tense is accurate yeah I mean I feel like I lived with a corpse for years and and um yeah i definitely i think a lot of how i don't want my kids to do that mm. and i I'm definitely saving for dignitas, mm-hmm. like not retirement fund. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I just, oh, I, I'd hate to put my kids through that. And like, there's mm. so much indignity, you know? Mm. And oh, you just feel like oh, everything this person gave me, this man like cared for me and was mm. the best father. And he doesn't deserve mm. this. But I suppose to me, I don't b- b- put that back on the universe or anything like that. I put that back on me. I'm like, why didn't I? Like, I like my mom always goes on about like, pillow me now if I ever get like that. And I'm like, it's gotten to the point where I'm like, no, fuck you. I'm not going to prison for you. Yeah, that's what I was saying there. How does <laughs> leave me then? You're yeah. fine. Oh, you're grand. <laughs> and also the thing is like we, when it came to it, couldn't do oh. that for my dad. Yeah. Like I sat in his room by his bed. And I looked around and I looked for security cameras Mm. because I was looking at someone who was so far from living. Yeah. And (laughs) this is so fucking dodgy to be talking about (laughs) on air, but I genuinely really was close. Like as in I was like, can I, could I do that? Could I, like I really interrogated the thought. Yeah. And look, really when it comes to it, it's really hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's it was so it was, much like, the guilt the letting you about, them continue. Yeah, no, because it was such a grind for so long. And mm. like the reason I asked you earlier about did you did it become obvious when he was going to die? Because he was so ill. He
0: was so there for so long. Yeah. I genuinely thought, how long can somebody stay like this? Yeah, and
1: that was the thing. There was yeah. this feeling of like, exactly, like, this could go on, this suspended animation. Yeah. Which was like a form of torture yeah. for everyone.
0: Yeah, I mean even suspended animation Which is a phrase I've used to describe it Doesn't ring true Because suspended allows for some kind of reanimation But there was nothing I cannot tell you Like it was Like by the last weeks He didn't blink Yeah Like it's so strange to see someone like that And on, on the last day I remember Holding him and feeling like, and I'm not sure if this is really possible, but it felt like rigor mortis had begun. Yeah, I remember even so though that. I knew mm. that his heart was just about still going. Yeah, it was so strange.
1: You know, you said earlier about the, so a year after Kev died, that was when you you had a bad episode last year. Mm. So. Mm. And it kind of had been going on for quite a while hadn't mm. it, before
0: you it was kind of rumbling on kind of mm. at the kind of peripheries of my consciousness. I was like, mm, but not you feeling were, great.
1: Like you talked about denial there I and mean, mm. you were highly functioning. You wrote almost an entire book.
0: That <laughs> yeah. Time. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true, yeah. You know,
1: I remember the day you we were meant to you were meant to come over on a Sunday and you, you texted and said, I can't make it and that was when Seb was away and you were having
0: Yeah. Seb was away and I was really um I was kind of peaking. Yeah, in a um, kind of episode of depression slash very delusional thinking was mm-hmm. starting to creep in mm-hmm. about the the possession that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, and I, oh, I kind of really it kind of climaxed on this kind of day, and it was yeah, I was definitely I was very afraid of being alone with my kids mm-hmm. because I felt I'm not right and mm. I'm worried and. I mean I'm beyond worried actually Worried is kind of a bit, mm. little bit of a, a little flaccid way of putting it I was I was really beside myself actually I was kind of wild with this thing mm. Of like It's back
1: Roaring thoughts Do you think it was coming It was grief It was coming from I haven't really thought about, about it like since... that
0: Funnily enough okay. I mean It was a year and a half After my dad's death Okay. I would have said that that time was hard and kind of healing like okay you know g- grief is sounds like something that you're consciously in mm. but for me it, ha- it hasn't felt like that okay so far i feel like for sure i can uh, i can't even see the stages of it you know it's famously got five stages do you think that's because he
1: was s- kind of gone in a way before he was gone twice in a way I mean
0: yeah I don't know because I kind of remember when he, I'd be sitting by his bed thinking I've done my grief on this mm-hmm. I'm ready to get on with not having to come here anymore I'm mm-hmm. ready to bury you and mm-hmm. then like the moment I was confronted like with his dead body mm-hmm. I like something absolutely caved in me and I thought oh holy Fuck, I've been in denial. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh, uh-oh, shit, this is it. Okay. This is the pain. Yeah. And the guilt. Oh, my God, it just is such a... It's a life suck guilt. And um. so I thought I had done it, but I, I don't think I particularly... I'm not sure if I had really. Okay. Um. And, uh, yeah, like, coming through it, you know, I. what I found was I couldn't think about him I couldn't talk about him I couldn't stand other people talking about him okay. people trying to talk to me about him oh fuck off okay oh couldn't actually hack it and then um here's now I feel like I've ticked every cliche box going <laughs> but um somebody started going on and on at me about meditation <laughs> <laughs> who, who could that have been some really
1: wise person a very wise it? Yeah. person yeah
0: and then I wrote a very passive-aggressive article <laughs> called Boring people with your meditation <laughs> is the new boring people with your dreams. Because I mean, everyone wants me as a I brand. think I may have yes,
1: said to group read that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, so I finally did. I, I did R- relent relax. and <laughs> try Aeroid meditation. Ways, yeah. And I found initially with meditation, like I so do you know, everyone who's like, I can't meditate. Yeah. I am one of those. <laughs> you were one of those, I think. I think everyone who meditates is yeah, one of my those. My mother
1: was the one who was for years to me like. Boring, trying, tried,
0: boring tried, people tried. with <laughs> her meditation. <laughs>
1: Just and It becomes a battle. It's not really about faith meditation anymore. You're like, I'm just not going to do that thing that you want me to do. So yeah, maybe maybe no, do
0: I started just being like, what's the opposite of meditation? <laughs> I'm going to eat crisps in the bath. <laughs> Fuck you. I do remember going on a yoga retreat kind of around the same time last year. And I did eat a pot noodle, like a coca noodle while in the bath. It was like the most opposite land of yoga retreat ever. But I was like, <laughs> nope. Fuck this place And um, Yeah When I first started Meditating I found it really Really hard Obviously Mm. I found that I cried Every time Did you I didn't even have to think I'm sad Yeah (laughs) I was just I just closed my eyes And tried For a minute To not Like know To basically try and unhitch my thoughts From all the things that I hitched them into Mm -hmm. To help with the forward momentum Mm -hmm. Of life Which Mm -hmm. is what we all do The to-do list basically Mm -hmm. So I just tried to unhitch And that's I would immediately start crying And like I mean I've ugly cried In group meditations And I don't know Presumably ruined the meditation For everyone Just gasping (gasps) That's really You know when you're trying not to cry You're trying to Inburst with it Hello mm. again. Mm. Um, it's very loud. Like it's as loud as just crying. Just cry. But that's like that's if you're, you're trying not to cry. It's yeah, as just, obvious. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. And um, I it took so so long, and I ended up really clicking into meditation then. And um, this is a very 2019 brag, but um, <laughs> <clears throat> I don't use guided meditation. That's right. <laughs> Don't even need it. What do
1: you do? Because you don't have a mantra, do you? No. I'm going (laughs) to... Oh, she's She's trying to strong arm me. me.
0: (laughs) She's trying to outbrag me. I don't have a mantra and I don't use guided meditation. Wow. I have a really specific thing to get into my meditation. And I think it's very telling about where I'm at now with grief and with all those things. Mm -hmm. And I think they've all come together in a funny way. Mm. In my meditation, I picture my dad getting his swimming stuff together. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it's a very clear image. I can see his hat. Yeah. I can see his shorts. I can see his deck shoes, no socks. Yes. That was his buzz. Yeah. He he could rock a Panama hat. He could. He really could. He had a great tan. Very, very proud of his natural tan. Yeah. I can see the vein that he used to have on the back of his right calf that popped. Yeah. And he's getting his swimming stuff together and he says, um, we go for a swim. You know, okay. and he's in front of me all the way through this. So yeah. he actually hardly looks at me. Okay. Um, But I, he walks in front of me and I follow him down to where we used to go swimming. In Sandiwant. Actually in, um, this is quite beautiful, in northern Spain. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, I suppose it could totally be the south wall too. No, no. <laughs> but that's just where it takes place. Yeah. And he then brings me down to where we used to go swimming. And he dives into the water in front of me. Okay. And I just can see do you know the way like someone's walk is as unique to them Mm. and somebody's dive I think when you've been watching Mm. somebody Mm. like that all your life Mm. oh I don't know there's something about it like I can just see him so well and when he surfaces I can see his stroke like the way he swam so clearly it's unreal and then I dive in and we do we used to swim together and chat Mm. but And usually at that point, that's kind of where I'll really go into my meditation then. Okay. (laughs) This is (laughs) so... There's too many feelings in this room right now. (laughs) It's unbearable. Oh, so that's gorgeous. But, like, that's That's how I get into my meditation Mm -hmm. now every time. Mm -hmm. And I really... Like I can actually do it in my head without crying But um, it's a very good feeling to me Like Mm. it just brings me Mm. to the point And I usually picture it in my um, head uh, Like that I kind of swim off the edge of a kind of a precipice Mm -hmm. And that's I think kind of how I managed to unmoor it then Into being just a general
1: space of kind of calmness I always picture kind of the outer space
0: space, But yes it's very much he leads me there and um, so uh, so I see your mantra and I just raise you, you my yeah. father You've completely owned that uh, <laughs> posthumously <laughs> informing my meditation practice. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> um, oh. so, yeah, so that's kind of I've gotten to a, a very, very good place where I can really think about him and I yeah. don't cry. And it doesn't always bring up all the badness, like it doesn't bring up the low lights yeah. with the guilt and all the times that I wasn't good enough for him. Yeah. Um. You know, I feel very uh, like I'm getting towards the better places at all.
1: Can we talk about the fact that you've written about the father in the book or is that giving away too much of the plot?
0: Oh, in the novel. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I
1: basically, I want to talk about the novel now. So oh, you want to talk about the well, novel? Bit, yeah, you guys. I mean, it's going to be coming so out. Really but
0: when soon. do I get to talk about my knitting? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Um, no, it's... Other um, things you get to be smug about. Other things, I, things I get to be yeah. some, my crystals, I never my knitting. Made, yes. um, yeah, tell
1: me about the knitting, because we were meant to do that and I have never <laughs> made it, but it's been a huge success for you. When, oh, when you were knitting. Really, when you were hugely anxious in I, that phase.
0: Knitting came after my most recent kind of episode. Yeah. I mean, after my most recent episode, Basically, I just like wound up back at John and God's. Yes, I virtually was going to present myself at a and e and say, Were you? Oh, yeah, because it was that a weekend, Sunday right, and I just yeah. didn't know what the hell else to do. Yeah, and yeah. I felt like it was so severe that I needed to just probably hand myself over, yes, to some people who Did were going go to, to kind of keep me safe. I went to my mother's house yeah. and like she was like, Do you want to your coffee? and I was like, Yeah. And I just walked back out of the room and went to another room and like locked the door behind me and okay. was like, I need to make a plan. Okay. And uh, the plan I made basically was I wrote down everything that had been happening for the previous six weeks in terms of my head and uh, everything that like was kind of consuming my thoughts about in terms of possession and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Also, um, like self-harm is something that can kind of come up for me. Yeah. And um, I had never told anyone that part of my stuff yeah ever actually in all the time had and that been
1: going on so in previous episodes it had in
0: previous episodes okay. yeah especially during my postnatal depression okay um where i'd hit myself yeah or i'd hit my head yeah or like things like that mm. and it just i don't know why seemed to provide some kind of relief yeah to the physical stuff of feeling unwell and It was a kind of a compulsive thing I suppose Mm -hmm. that I definitely didn't feel Good after doing it Mm -hmm. And I felt very Worried Mm -hmm. seems like one of the Most if you want To kind of I suppose get an example of When things are going really wrong in your head Self-harming is quite a a visceral Mm. Representation of it Mm -hmm. One of my doctors kind of explained To me in a different way though he was like he was kind of like, it's a symptom, like it's you trying actually to rein in, rein back in control. Okay. You know, I think maybe he's trying to reframe it to like yeah. help me yeah. come to terms with it. But yeah, he said that it, it's a symptom and you know, that it's not, it's not another thing to blame yourself for. Yeah. And um, that it's actually you trying to have some semblance of. So to, to
1: like express the pain in a way that you have control over, yeah, yeah,
0: and kind of in a sort of like manageable kind of, even though that sounds strange, no, but yeah. yeah. So it was the first time I'd ever kind of come clean about some of that. Um, just kind of it's mad to still be kind of like I was thirty three and I was like mm. still not actually. Letting it all out in terms mm. of what was really going on. Mm. And even after so many years of knowing that it helps, it's mm-hmm. still hard sometimes. Mm. So, um, you know, I wound up back at John of God's, um, getting, uh, being treated by a psychiatrist there, back on new uh, new old meds. And, mm. uh, you know, that all, look, it's grand. Like, I got through it again. Mm. It was actually the first times that I ever really noticed that, like, exercise... Uh, cliche alert <laughs> Still So good For um, Changing mm. Your uh, The state of your body Like mm. it pushes you Into a new state
1: Because you had Got into running Originally Hadn't yeah, 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 you In your yeah, early 20s I'd Been running for, Yeah I'm Was that around That thing
0: Realising it made you feel better um, I don't think I'd made The connection hmm. enough Then Okay Um, But I know that like In the Months since that last episode I've never before noticed How important it is for me mm-hmm. to like to get rid of all the tension and stress yeah yeah and the kind of oding on adrenaline that i think we all get if we're panicking or if we're stressed or yeah. anxious yeah, kind of you're basically poisoned with adrenaline all the time yeah if you're anxious yeah and um it's exactly it completely lets it release yeah um and I think as well, it's just like I now always think of like if you are in a very acute panic attack mm. and like I try to change my state mm. is like sort of one of the things I do in the moment trying to get out of it. Okay. Which is like I'll either try and like if I'm alone, sing, dance. Okay. Like I know somebody just does jumping jacks to basically just be that- like get this away from me. Get the body that into friend a mine new who went state. To Tony
1: Robbins last week. That's one of the things he gets them to do: is jumping jacks.
0: I had no, no. Yeah. I hate yeah. agreeing Sorry. with Tony Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> you're just mad at me about the mantra. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're basically a Tony Robbins disciple. I am an, an unwitting thing. Tony Don't Robbins have disciple. That documentary? Um, oh, um, I loved that documentary. I know for the wrong reasons. For the wrong reasons. <laughs> I
0: yes, I watched with a dark heart. Um, but yeah, just to change your state and yeah. um, like that was. Definitely something That then like Running Like I'd then But then equally Like it can get a bit Pathological And I'd be like Getting stressed If yeah. I wasn't gonna get my run yeah, And like yeah, you do on you Or way. you have to be like Oh god like You and know what
1: would you say You know people kind of like, talk about depression. Like, oh, you know, if you just live a healthy life. Or, you know, they're kind of slightly anti-taking depression uh, medication. How mm. would you explain that to people? That sometimes, like, you can't run yourself out of it. You know, or do you have that where there's days that you couldn't, you just wouldn't feel up to it, wouldn't feel up to the exercise? Even oh, my room? God, yeah. yeah. No, like, the in the absolute... I people are really overly simplistic about...
0: No, I would say during the absolute, like, the actual episodes, mm-hmm. you know, I would... Be capable of very little. Yeah. Sure. I mean, as my friend, you know that like I can go into a kind of an avoidance mode, mm-hmm. which is in stark contrast to my normal mode, <laughs> which is needy <laughs> and too many long voice notes. <laughs> um, but like, I think that you Love can probably smell it a mile off because I mm. become quite non-responsive. I mm. won't message people back or mm-hmm. pick up the phone or talk and, you know, I won't get dressed and yeah. like... Oh God Like I do remember Like my mom Urging me to have a shower Like And it was about Like a few months ago Obviously it was like mm. During this quite bad phase And mm. she was like Would you not just Have a shower Because I know in her mind She's like It's five minutes <laughs> Yeah And she cannot Like get Why it's yeah. just So weirdly insurmountable Yes And then even if exactly. I do Drag myself to the shower I'm like No Like it's not this No you've done it Like it's okay You know Mm but it's like, it's oh, no, I mean, to, yeah, yeah, and also like it's just I just think as well, like it's much more nightmarish than sad to me. Yeah. Those episodes like yeah. it's like that moment, you know, in a nightmare when you can't scream, yeah, I feel like that's what living with depression is like yeah. in my head. Yeah, it's obviously wildly different for everyone, but it's yeah. like you're that compromised, <laughs> I don't yeah. know, like yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I forced you into talking about this so I could talk about my knitting therapy, oh, yeah, which no, is, I, don't want to I, I completely adore knitting Yeah, te- yes. Yeah, so and I think that that is something that has helped my head massively. Like, it helps um, my thoughts to slow down. It helps me Does to it? focus on what people are saying and things like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, watching you do it, you get that sense of, like, with the running of, like, you're burning off some excess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Adrenaline or, yeah,
1: yeah tensioner.
0: And even, like, say, one of my kids has kind of, I mean... Not particularly severe sensory stuff. Yeah. But I see that he has the same thing as me of like a kind of a restlessness that needs to be kind of like yes. discharged. Yeah. And like sometimes, you know, he'll just jump up and have to get it out whatever way it is. And say with kind of um, autistic people, they do stimming, mm. which is like a kind of stimulation mm. therapy that I'm, I know. God, I mean, I've cleaned this from friends um, with kids but you know that it uh what it's the para nervous system is mm-hmm. that what it's called i'm going into unresearched territory for me oh, i'm nervous about saying it look whatever it is the mm-hmm. stimming it is stimulating something okay and exercising a need yes uh, that is possibly tactile or physical yeah. And it's it does make you feel better mm-hmm. And I think that like Knitting must be some kind of adult stimming mm-hmm. for me Like mm-hmm. it definitely puts me into a very Much calmer space I knit in bed before I go to sleep mm-hmm. um, You know It's fab, very productive Just finished a baby blanket
1: Yeah it's a kind of way of tuning out or something
0: Yeah like. yeah, it's a bit like I suppose the colouring yeah. The mindfulness yeah. Any other cliches we could throw uh-huh. in here?
1: Um, In Recipes for a Nervous Breakdown um, You say at the start This is not written from a place of enlightenment And I'm not finished getting better Um, It's written from a place of having gotten on with things Mm. And we've talked about that About how mental health It's not a I'm fixed And that will never happen again Mm. It's an ongoing thing isn't it
0: Yeah Yeah And I definitely have had periods Where I really worry that Like the way I'll eventually go Is going to be connected to this is that a bit much no. to say?
1: No, that's your experience. No, I just
0: mean like, I don't know. Yeah, I just feel bad saying stuff like that. But as well, like in the kind of uh, 2019 sort of mental illness journey narrative. Yeah. People would like it. Yeah. Um, like there's a,
1: a beginning, a middle and an end. And a <laughs> William
0: Dean Howard quote that is uh, something like Americans uh Uh, Like tragedy with a happy ending. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But as in like I suppose uh, you want to hear. A resolution. The resolution exactly. And look it's just a fear. It's just a fear that I think probably everyone who experiences this stuff must have I guess. I guess it's not the best. It's like not really something I can open conversations with with people. Like I want to be like. Mm. So I know that you have some um, mental illness issues. Can I just ask you. Do you also feel like This is going to be The way you go But it's something It's a niggle That I have I guess But I Obviously Think the more You go through All the various Different episodes The more you know You can go through them yeah. And I also think Like having spent time In psychiatric wards And stuff like that With my dad as well And um And just knowing friends and stuff. There's so many different levels to mental illness. And there's definitely the good mental illness, quote unquote good mental illness and bad mental illness. And like... What do you mean by that? I mean like that, say on like World Mental Health Day, Mm -hmm. I'm always like, I feel like we're paying a bit of lip service to, you know, the kind of the mental illness that's palatable to us all, Mm. which is contained... And it's got a lesson maybe and it's got some redemption, but there is it doesn't to me represent like all the hundreds of thousands of people who couldn't sit here in this room with you, Mm. you know, like that's such another Mm. uh, layer of it. Mm -hmm. I that I'm so lucky touch wood to like to have just probably occasionally barely touched, but it's not me Mm. either. Mm. and I'm so lucky and mm. um, and I think that's as much as it's so brilliant that we like are out talking about all this stuff and for sure I, I hope I'm a part of that conversation like in a good way mm. but I do think it's there's still just the kind of bad mental illness that's so hard to engage with because it's so outside of the kind of societal norm yeah of Functioning and mm. being able to talk to people or have a job. Mm. Even being and articulate about like, your own. And yeah. like for example me talking about like oh not showering <laughs> for a fee- or finding showering like a bit of a. <laughs> a bit of a difficult one <laughs> or whatever but like it's that's just so nothing. Mm. In compare well not that I'm not playing like emotional relativism but. It's just like in comparison to how some people live through this stuff. Mm. And the, the anguish that they are in. It's really. It's still, I think, a part of the conversation that needs more exploration and more understanding.
1: Um, Where would you say you are in terms of acceptance in the sense that, like, you've described how you completely changed, Mm. how you lost things that you thought would happen, Mm. you know, a a way of life that you have. Uh, You've suffered a lot more than you would have known you were going to. Um, you said like on that first night if I'd known was going to be and also that this is something that you're going to have to deal with on an ongoing basis. Mm. Like I found that uh, quite difficult where I would think, oh, I'm over the grief of my marriage being over and then it would be like, oh, fuck's sake, another. And Mm. I'd have like a week or a month of just feeling. Um, But I think it might have been Oprah and Eckhart Tolle podcast recently (laughs) where they were talking about that sense of like the first thing you need to do is actually just accept your circumstances, you know, and accept that, like, maybe this will all, o- there'll always be a bit of this, or, you know, mm. that this is just how it is now. Do you feel mm. like you've
0: got that where you've kind of accepted? I think so. But then some, I think it's easy when I'm in a reasonably decent patch to say that. And mm-hmm. then sometimes when I'm back in a bad patch, mm. I can, uh, I don't know, I can unlearn everything I've learned mm. in 12 mm. years. Mm. Like that Yeah And I'm going Fuck it's back It's never going to go yes. I'm never going to be okay And all those definitives Like it's never Nothing will ever help Yeah This Is very Understandable thinking I think But mm. it's so unhelpful But also very hard to control But I think what the biggest thing For me now Is Like learning to live at a pace That's Okay Like right for me Yeah And I think that's something That we're all getting to In dribs and drabs For sure But It's not something I think that You could be It would be useful To hear that in school For example Yeah so true (laughs) Like you Mm. know the way Obviously everything Has to be kind of standardized Mm. When we're kind of Being educated And growing up But I think it's More useful really To hear That like One person's norm Like is another person's Like operating at a phenomenally high level of Mm -hmm. output and it's exhausting Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't have the mental reserves for that And that doesn't make me lazy or yeah you know it's bloody fucking capitalism puts everything on productivity and output and that's our only um, value Mm -hmm. and then you know i feel like you meet people who live at their pace Mm -hmm. unapologetically Mm -hmm. and i think you think oh there's actually a lot of wisdom in that, yeah. you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and um, so like I invite you. You're more into cl- cliches and basics, but like I have to go to sleep. Mm. Like it's a big thing now for me to have a late night, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not going to waste it on just read anyone. <laughs> so yeah, if you are seeing me <laughs> post <laughs> nine, nine p.m., yeah, this is big. <laughs> really made an impact on me. But like, <laughs> I, like I know that just sounds so basic, but like. And maybe mm. as well, especially in like the kind of young kids land mm. territory, mm-hmm. you have to go to bed yes. because.
1: Yeah, but I find that as well. Like there's some weeks where I'm like, just go to bed with Sari at eight o'clock. Mm. And like it feels so frustrating and annoying. Mm. But I, it's the best thing for me at, for in that week. And I will so notice the difference if I force myself. Like there was a week there recently where I didn't plan anything in the evenings mm. and I did very little I just got my work done and it was actually I felt great I felt so unstressed and whatever because I had done that thing of like really slowing the pace down just
0: slowing it down
1: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and really just being like,
0: and also like I'd have a bit of an issue with like I definitely would hitch all my neuroses to like at work yeah and doing stuff and making stuff happen Mm -hmm. and having new ideas and Mm -hmm. then like what Mm. you know and Seb would be like no (laughs) <laughs> you've got enough on now <laughs> and all this stuff yeah. and so I have to kind of really watch myself on that yeah and I have to like know that that's a bit of a yeah like a bit of a triggery thing yes, for me yeah, 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 yeah. get really caught up in feeling like I'm so well because I'm doing all this and I'm doing that okay, and yeah. I'm on deadline nothing's late and nothing's getting out of control yeah. except that I'm starting to like on my voice I'm speaking faster I'm getting more and more yeah. agitated and yeah, like yeah. oh yeah and then Wondering if I'm possessed again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think living at your own pace is definitely, I think it's really coming into vogue as well, which mm. is great because like, like, <laughs> I think now, 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 like saying you're busy is practically like, Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm so busy. It's just been so hectic. Yeah, and I remember like, you intentionally just put it away. That. I stopped saying yeah, it. I made yeah. a decision. I was like, no longer refer to the busyness, um, mm. because also I felt like it just sounded like such a wanker. <laughs> um,
1: so we've covered everything that I need to. But I do know. You wanna, I to um, I'm sorry. Not at all. Oh my Cassie, god! I
0: know. Cassie was like, fuck's sake, Sophie White's coming in here. It's going to be ridiculous."
1: This podcast started with the intention of asking people how they had coped throughout a difficult experience. It really quickly became obvious that sometimes the hardest thing is to say, actually, I'm not coping. To explode rather than implode, as Soph says. It can be hard to admit that you're not coping, and it can also feel like you're letting go of the last vestiges of control. I'm really grateful to Sophie for speaking so honestly about her experiences, and I hope she has brought you as much solace as she has me. I'm Laidon Hines and this has been How To Fall Apart.